the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be back together. Hope I had a great weekend, everybody. Hey, we've got another great program. We've got a lot happening. And at the end of the program, I'm going to talk about a friend of mine named Gary Glenn, who is uh, facing uh, cancer and is facing it in a way that is uh, as educational and as um, wonderful as it can be when you have something so terrible. He's just a super guy, and I, I will talk about him. We also have an incredible interview with uh, Dr. Peter Wood. His newest book is called Wrath. Wrath. And uh, we'll talk with him. um, And he's extraordinary. And I'm looking forward to it because his book is so interesting to me. Um, he's uh, he's one of the smartest guys out there, and he writes these great books. He's written, uh, he wrote, wrote a book called 1620, which deconstructed the 1619 Project. Um, very cool dude. Uh, we also will talk with a woman named Tammy I'm going to mispronounce this, but I'll get it right out when I ask her. Oluvich, Oluvich, and she's the CEO of, of something called Saddles in Service. Saddles in Service is an effort to help our, our, our um, veterans uh, when they as they are recovering uh, from. Uh, the PTSD and other stuff, and they use uh, horses. And it's an incredible program that she started. I think she and her husband, um, and we will talk with her uh, about that. So that'll be cool. Uh, I'm interested to hear about that. And um, let's get to what you need to know today. What you need to know today is uh, so important, I can barely stand it waiting to talk to you. There has been, over the last few days, a growing realization that there have been, there must be, there's something going on, in the the January 6th investigation. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, you remember that you may have heard Attorney General Merrick Garland testified before the Congress. And um, his testimony included being put on the spot by a couple different congressmen who asked, who, and one of them was Thomas Massey of Kentucky. It was the Judiciary Committee, I guess. And Thomas Massey said, I'm going to show you a video. Who is this guy? And there's a guy... With a MAGA hat, big, uh, big white, uh, big broad-faced sort of leader type, looks like maybe former military, and he is saying on January fifth on video and January sixth on video, let's get in the Capitol. We got to go in the Capitol. This is our chance. We got to fight back. And Mask, Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, said simply, "Why hasn't this guy been arrested?" There's images, I think, of him in the Capitol also, and the assertion is that he might not be charged because he may have been in the on the payroll of the feds in some way. And there's been a lot of allegations about that, a lot of unanswered facts on that. And here's what you need to know. This is the number one thing you need to know. And I, I can't tell you how important this is. And I'm going to say this in the, in this, um, in this wink, in the daily wink of what you need to know. I'm going to put it in my, uh, I'm going to put it in my email tomorrow morning. If you go to proamericareport.com, you can sign up for the email there for an email. Um, Every day at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time, goes out to about 50,000 people. It gives you what you need to know, a few, a few uh, highlights, a few stories, a few links. And uh, here's what you need to know. This, what happened on January 6th is, well, there were some things that happened that shouldn't have. Breaking windows, pushing people, fine. But all of the rest of this 
is a disaster for the American Republic because the narrative machine, big media, big government, excuse me, big, big media, big tech and big government have been trying to make a lie out of the truth. And what we now know, and, and it's as clear as can be, when Merrick Garland couldn't answer the question about the reality of that day, we need to know, were there feds on the payroll infiltrated in that thing if there were they need to explain their presence it could be that their presence was benign that they were somehow uh you know kind of handling it to be a a source of intelligence that's common i remember during the by the way let me tell you this i remember during the ferguson riots and i was in st louis at the time i was chairman of the republican party of missouri i remember knowing from law enforcement that they sent in agents uh officers undercover for intelligence gathering so that's possible But what we have is a pattern. In Michigan, it looks like the guys that were involved, at least one of the FBI agents, what looks like he was really a mess. If not corrupt, he was a mess. I mean, it was like a disaster. He was saying things. He'd been arrested, I think, for a battery or something. But in the case of January 6th, what's becoming clearer and clearer is that things don't add up based on the coverage, based on social media, and especially big government. And the way you can tell is big government continues to refuse to release all of the tapes of what went on, the videotapes. They gave a bunch of video uh, evidence or video uh, um, uh, tapes and, and hours of it to, I guess, CNN or HBO, one of these doing a documentary, but they won't give it to we the people. So we don't really know what went on. We only know, again, what the spin has been. And what the spin has been is it was an insurrection, except nobody's charged with insurrection, not even close. And what I'm saying to you and what you need to know is we need to get to the bottom of whether there was a single federal agent of any kind on the payroll. It could be a um, associate, someone they pay as an informer. We need to know that now. We need to know what their role was. This is not a time where you can hide behind somehow that this is operationally going to be um, something you have to protect. No, if you're on the left, you say it's the greatest insurrection since civil, the Civil War. If you're on the right, or if you're normal now, you should say this is the greatest threat to our republic because the government and media and big tech are using it against we the people. It's not the biggest, let me be clear. There's, been, you know, there's been others, but it's a big one. And we should say, you're right, this is a big deal. January 6th now is a big deal. Not because of what the insurrection or anything like that. It's nonsense. Now it's a big deal because of the abuse of we the people the abuse of the system, the abuse of the media, big tech, all of the abuse is heaped on, on, on the American Republic. And we have to get to the bottom of it. There is no excuse now. There's nothing we can, we cannot go back. We have seen what they've done and we have to utilize it in the sense that we have to go ahead and change What's going on by getting to the bottom of it? There'll be no, there's no, there's no, no moving on after January 6th. There isn't until we get to the bottom of what happened. That's what you need to know. All right, we got to run. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. Uh, let me see. We will be back. Um, Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Got some great interviews coming. Uh, tune in uh, right there. Visit ProAmericaReport.com to find out more about signing up for the Daily Wink. Be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Talk to you in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And our next guest, we've had him on the show before, uh, Peter W. Wood. And he is the president of the National Association of Scholars. He's written a number of books. The one most recent that caught my eye, I think it was... um, 
I don't know what year it was out, but it was the last couple of years, 1620, a critical response to the 1619 project. I think it was 2020 that came out. And as you can see, with all the different uh, battles at the school board levels we talk about so often, uh, that was this is a key thing to understand exactly what is happening with this uh, sort of change in our history. Well, he's got a new book out, which really interests me. It's from Encounter Books, which uh, they do good books. They always have. I tell people Encounter does books that are popular. You want to read them, but they're also by people that really know stuff. It's a, it's a kind of a, one of the things that Encounter hits the sweet spot. It's called Wrath, Wrath, America Enraged by uh, Dr. Peter W. Wood. Uh, Dr. Wood, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. So first of all, Wrath, as I read this book, Lots of stuff echoed for me from the Tea Party. I was in St. Louis. I, I founded the St. Louis Tea Party with some other folks all the way down through, um, you know, watching Antifa or Black Lives Matter, whoever was rioting, all these things about re- and the word wrath is such a good word. But I was thinking about history and you're better at this than I am. Your long history of being a, a professor and then teaching and all um, went back at the founding. Were, were the people that were starting, you know, the start of the, the war for American independence, were they were they angry? I mean, is that a, is that a common what we feel today and see around us? And you describe was that something in history that would have been happening at the time of, the, say, the founding? Well, yes and no. Sorry to be ambiguous about it. <laughs> it's okay. There, there certainly was anger against uh, England when the American Revolution was brewing and when it broke out, but the anger that was experienced by the patriots then and the anger today is different in character. So the distinction I draw is between what I call old anger and new anger. Old anger was uh, constrained by people's sense that being angry all the time is not a good way to live your life. In some ways, to be angry too often or too much was shameful, and people were disgraced for it. Uh, Our father of our country, George Washington, was known to be a person who had a really terrible temper, but he was also known to be someone who had mastered that temper. And when it started to get the better of him, he would stop and gain control of himself. He was not the kind of person who was out uh, chanting slogans or doing uh, kind of vituperative things towards the enemy. There was a certain uh, constrained respect towards your opponent that characterized the anger of that time. Now, we're not always able to live up to our ideals, as we're oftentimes reminded. Mm-hmm. We did have a civil war, which was also a very angry event. But at the same time, even during the civil war, there were moral constraints on both sides that prevented people from generally just giving into their anger. Exceptions to that. John Brown, with his raid on Harper's Ferry, was one angry man who did nothing to control his wrath. Uh, What we have today is this new anger that I speak of refers to a self-regarding anger, an anger that's proud that it is angry, an anger that uh, is flamboyant and show-offy. Translated maybe as show-offy anger. Look at me, I'm angry. My anger makes me powerful, and I'm going to do nothing to hold it back. In fact, I'm going to spend a good portion of my time trying to find creative new ways to show it off. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the anger that is dominant on the American left. It has been for at least a quarter of a century. I can trace it back a little further than that. But think of it as the the anger that brags of its anger and you're catching the American left. Uh, The era of the conservatives in the country also becoming angry is a little bit different. 
it sometimes has that show-offy character as well. But I, what I would say mostly about it is that it's conflicted. People feel anger, especially about the 2020 election and the way in which the participants in the demonstration and then the riot at the Capitol Hill on January 6th have been treated since. That has provoked a new kind of anger on the right that takes the form of a belief that uh, any recourse, any way to solve this problem uh, has been denied, that we're being quartered into a place where uh, legitimate protest is now stigmatized and, and where by the recourses to, to the courts, to the police, to anybody in authority has been perverted into something where uh, those who say, oh, wait a minute, are suddenly deemed to be terrorists or something right. close to that. Uh, so, yes, there was anger in the American <laughs> There's anger today, but they're not the same thing. Uh, it's, it, I'm Ed Martin, and we're talking with uh, Dr. Peter W. Wood, and his book is called Wrath, America Enraged. I remember reading your other book, by the way, uh, years ago now, called A Bee in the Mouth, Anger in America Now, which was, I think, 2005 or six. Also fascinating. And, uh, of course, Dr. Wood is the president of the National Association of Scholars. Late in the book, Wrath, Encounter Books has this book out. It's brand new. Um, you say, maybe at the very end, it says, it said, after reading, an opening dra- reading a draft for the opening chapters of the book, a longtime friend of mine, on whom I rely for wise counsel, advised as a writer, you don't do wrath well. It's not who you are. You don't even really do anger. And my boy there is Dr. Peter Wood is well known. He's this sort of scholar, uh, gentleman. I mean, you, you, to, to see you lecture and there's plenty of places. It's not you know, you're not an angry guy. You're not a wrathful guy. Uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I worked, used to say uh, happy warrior. Right. You know, the, you just you know, our, uh, sort of temperamentally conservatives don't do well with anger, even if you have it, because our side doesn't want to be angry for long. And I, I my question about this is it's kind of a disadvantage in the modern moment and now we're talking about I, I go back often to the media to social media and all where outrage and sort of crazy behavior is rewarded with clicks and attention and uh and so conservatives they can do it for a while but it's kind of exhausting because if you're normal you, being angry and wrathful doesn't it doesn't sustain does it no it doesn't it's uh, it wears you down and it oftentimes comes back at you so the, the angrier you get and the more expressive you are of it, the more you're going to be uh, engaged in it for the rest of your life. Conservatives realize that life is about more than politics. We have families. We, many of us go to church. We are people who uh, spend our lives doing many things and trying to find a, a peaceful balance among them. Sometimes that's difficult. But when we're roused to fury, when we get backed into the wrath corner, uh, it, it really tears us apart. So what I'm trying to do is say, your, your wrath, this is the, the main theme of the book, those of us who are wrathful because we believe injustice is now uh, sweeping the country in terrible ways, uh, we need to find a place to put that, something to do with it. Now, I, I trust the American people in a lot of ways, and something that has heartened me since I finished writing the book has been the emergence of these uh, protests taking place in school board meetings where parents are showing up and saying, enough is enough. Uh, we're seeing the, uh, the airline pilots at Southwestern called a sick-in, which was a way of protesting the uh, COVID mandates. Many 
firefighters, policemen around the country doing the same thing. Uh, the willingness of people to put their necks on the line by saying, no further, we've had it, uh, but doing so in a peaceful and constructive way seems to me to be the right way to direct that wrath. Now, that means saying no to the folks who want to pick up their guns and start shooting. I hope it doesn't come to that. I understand that uh, there is a sort of civil war talk that goes on among some conservatives who've been pushed past their limits, but we really need to call on our brothers and say, don't do that. That's playing into the hands of the other side. Be wrathful, but put your wrath in a constructive place. Again, we're talking with Dr. Peter W. Wood. Two, two comments about his book are two places I want to go with this. The book is entitled Wrath, America Enraged in Counter Books. I'll put it up on social media. By the way, I like this very much, that section. You know, I, I have had on Martin Dugard, who is the guy who helped O'Reilly. Well, he wrote the books with O'Reilly, the killing series. And he's really he's really decided and as a model. He's got a new book called Taking Paris, which is really good. He writes these very short chapters. It's kind of history in these bite-sized pieces, which... It's partly to feed the moment that we are in re- as readers. It's also it makes it much more energetic. I really like in the pre- I guess it's in the preface or towards the end. There's a page and a half called how to read this book, which yes. I like. Right. I like I, that's like a professor. Just tell me how to read this book. It's very good. Um, and I th- recommend people when they get this or they go to look for it. Check that. out. I don't know if you get it as a Kindle, you know, Kindle, you get some pages of sample. I hope they include that one because it gives you a way to see what's going on. Now, wrath, the word wrath. I was so excited when I realized that you right away said, uh, you know, Julia Ward Howe in the famous Battle Hymn of the Republic. It's he's trampling out the vinches where the grapes of wrath are, are stored. The question I have is when you you talk about how we got here, that's one of the things you say. And then and then you talk about, well, where can we go? What, what, and you, you're talking about how do we get out of this maze? It's not as clear. Um, the, the battle, it seems to me you hear a lot is between keep my light under a bushel basket. I got to take care of my family. I, I can't let my family be exposed to this insanity. I'm going to find a community of, of like-minded people, whether based on faith or based on v- viewpoint and take care of myself. It's very, I mean, I have four children, 17 and under it's fair. Instinctively that feels right. I mean, because the culture is so, so far gone. And the, and the other one is, okay, I'm going to go to the school board meeting. I'm not only going to engage there. I'm going to have sustained engagement. So in that battle, one feels easier, I think, which is put your light under the bushel basket, take care of yourself. I, I mean, I'm also you can see I'm also waiting it already. But I will say, as somebody who does this, it's exhausting to try to fight this, the school board meeting, the culture, the education system, the media, big tech. You know, the, the front page of Politico.com today has seven articles on Facebook. They've just discovered that Facebook is controlling something, the Democrats and the liberals. And I think they mostly just want to make sure they have control of it because they want to make sure they get knocked the president off there, President Trump off, make sure that Hunter Biden's laptop isn't covered in a New York Post article. And so but it's exhausting. So trying to stay in the stay in the sustained fight, it it, it feels almost too daunting. I mean, it, it, that's the problem with, uh, I think, with where we are right now. Well, I, I think it does feel too daunting. And it means that if you're going to engage in that fight, you have to reserve some part of yourself for the other things in life. Uh, You're not going to be able to sustain that fight, in my view, without God, without Mm -hmm. some faith that this is a battle that we're called on to fight. Uh, We have to have a uh, approach to this that does protect our families to the extent we can. But we need to be mindful that taking the fight to the enemy 
is, is part of what we do to protect our families. Um, so I do think that uh, retreating under the bushel is an inviting <laughs> option for a lot of people. Uh, some people call that the Benedictine option. Right, right. But, uh, the, uh, I don't think that's really the right way to go. Uh, we've been blessed to have our freedom in this country for several centuries, to see it taken away now by some greedy, ambitious people who don't care for our liberty uh, and, and mean to essentially boss us around for the, for the rest of time, for that matter, I, I think ought to prompt us in our consciences to do something. Right. The something we need to do means, well, let's just take this as the metaphor, show up at the school board meetings, right. whatever the school board meeting might be, yeah. um, that's yeah. where we need to go. Um, a, a Peter W. Wood, the book is Wrath, America Enraged in Counter Books. Again, uh, available everywhere. 2021. It's just recently published. It's, it's, it's a really interesting, fascinating read where you are. It helped me a lot to think about a lot of what I see and, and even feel. Um, let me finish with this line of questioning, because, again, you're an astute observer. Peter Wood is, uh, is the president of the National Association of Scholars. He's a professor. He's been uh, all kinds of awards. Great communicator. And, and um, when, in the book, you do talk about January 6th. And I was there, right? I was at Trump's speech. I walked up Constitution Avenue. I went to my office instead of going to the Capitol, thankfully. Um, but uh, I, I watched it and, and I watched the, even the violence. And, and, you know, certainly nobody supports that, right? Nobody supports breaking things. Nobody starts pushing anybody, hurting a cop, none of that. Uh, but I watched the characterization of those events transition from this is really rotten you know, I often say, I don't know if you're a, a, a fo football fan, but if you, when I was a kid, if you went to the New York Jets, New York Giants football game at the Meadowlands and you had 50,000 people, whoever won by two touchdowns, there was going to be 500 or 1,000 of the other team's people who probably were going to break some windows of cars and act like idiots. So, I mean, so, and again, not excusing anything, but the characterization of January 6th and the use of government to, uh, to uh, force the truth that they want us to believe, an insurrection, it's really stunning to me. And, and the media went along. You know, I told big tech, big media and big government have tried to force this message that it was an insurrection. It was a lot of things. And there's some people should be held accountable, but it wasn't insurrection. But it's mostly terrifying to me that we can uh, because even even conservatives have to look towards somewhere to, to get some sense of what's happening. Not the not the truth, but the facts and, and uh, you know, media. And it's daunting how uh, dramatically that event has been utilized and transformed. It's just amazing to me. Right. Um, the New York Times put together a uh, hour-long video of selected clips to make it look like an apocalypse. Right. Uh, the, uh, but yes, it is uh, terrifying to see how the facts have been twisted in this case. Um, I don't know anybody who actually thinks it was a good idea to have a riot <laughs> in the Capitol. Right. But I, I know a lot of people who were just innocently there and who have now ended up in jail, sometimes for 10 months, on flimsiest sort of accusations of like, trespassing or, or failure to abide by public order. Nothing that approaches insurrection. Right. Um, so we're left with this tale told so endlessly that now... I, I live in New York City, so you can imagine I encounter people who don't agree with my particular views all that much. <laughs> right. but, uh, but I hear all the time now about how close we were to losing the republic with this terrible insurrection on January 6th. And these are people who have apparently paid no real attention at all to the facts that are available. Um, 
And there we are. We have to find a way to counter this uh, false narrative. And we're now living in an age where the media, the social media, the legacy media, both are uh, willing to be an echo chamber for what amounts to uh, terrific falsehoods. Yeah. That just get told and retold until everybody is supposed to believe them. Yeah. I think that is exhausting. It is exhausting. All right. Well, thank you for the book, Wrath, America Enraged. Uh, Dr. Peter W. Wood, Encounter Books has it. I'll put it up on social media. It's a good one. Keep writing. I know you will. And uh, thank you for your time with us today. And we will talk again very soon. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. We'll take a break, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is very interesting to me. One of our listeners sent this to me, sent me a link and said, you should talk to the people that run this. Saddles in Service. Saddles in Service. It's founded actually in San Diego, 2017. And the idea was, how can we use um, horsemanship uh, to help people uh, feel better and to to understand what's going on? And uh, the founders are Mike and Tammy Olovic. uh, And they're particularly, um, uh, Mike was in the Navy. And the idea of how you could use horses, um, and and I think they call it equine therapy. We've talked a little bit about it on the show. So we have Tammy Olovic with us now. Tammy, how are you? Good. How are you today? I'm doing great. So first, tell me why. How does it work? What, what is it? Is it? Is this helping veterans with PTSD? Is it helping veterans readjust? Is it? What's? What? Why? Why? How does this work? Tell us what Saddles in Service does. Sure, sure. So Saddles in Service, what we do is we um, offer a program that helps and um, supports the mental health, wellness, and healing for our veterans and first responders that are suffering from either post-traumatic stress, anxiety, depression, or job-related stress by partnering them with a horse. And the horses really do all the work. The horses (laughs) just, they make you feel good. You know, some of the things we hear from some of our veterans are, You know, this horse gives me purpose again, or this horse makes me feel good about myself. And it's amazing what these horses do just just from being a horse. Hmm. Um, and so is it, is it, um, my, my daughter, by the way, volunteers at a service uh, near where we live, uh, that's for mostly for kids with disabilities Wonderful. and they have this, they really get great uh, benefit from it is the P and, and so my daughter has actually researched this ahead of uh, this conversation you and I are having. And again, we're, we're oh. talking with uh, one of the founders of saddles in service. If you go to saddles org, you can learn more about it. They have three locations, one in Wyoming, one in uh, Elkhart, Texas, and one in San Diego, California. Um, so is are they riding the horses? Are they caring for the horses? Is it all about all those things? Is it uh, is it a set a, a particular set of time, uh, like two hours a week, or what? What what is it that happens in Saddles for Service? What do they do? Sure, it's a full horsemanship program. They're learning hmm. from the very beginning the predator prey relationship um, between a human and a horse, how to care hmm. for a horse, how to groom them how to do groundwork with your horse, and then how to ride if they want to learn how to ride. And then the ultimate thing is learning how to do cattle work and being a a team with your horse. And so it's really all about that horsemanship and that building that relation and um, a connection. 
Um, what is the predator? What is that predator prey relationship between a horse and humans? I don't think I know what that is. Sure. Tell me. Sure. So, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I have a service dog. And, you know, I love dogs. I mean, I have four. But a service right. dog, that's a predator-predator relationship. So horses are prey animals. And so when you're working with a horse, they have still those prey instincts, and we're predators to them. And so they, but they will read us. They read our body language, um, and mm. they will really mirror what we're feeling inside or what we're putting out there. Um, it's all that nonverbal communication. And you can learn a lot about yourself um, just by working course because they are mirroring your, your feelings, your reactions. Huh. Um, again, uh, the, the website um, is Saddles in Service, and I'm talking with one of the founders, uh, Tammy, and her husband uh, started uh, Saddles in Service. Um, and uh, I guess I should say there's one of the other early help as a woman named Jill Breen. I don't want to uh, uh, not plug the people that do this. So um, three locations. So if I'm a veteran, uh, I'm not, but if I'm a veteran, and uh, is it something that a PTSD, like someone will refer that, or is it you know, you find that any veteran will find that it's sort of valuable. I, I imagine that's true, but is it? Are you getting a, a broad spectrum, or is it? So, hey, someone's got severe PTSD. This is a help. Right, right. So, um, all of our veterans that are coming through our program either have um, they've been diagnosed with post traumatic stress, or are right. living with some of the effects of it, or anxiety mm. or depression, and so. Um, they, you know, that they have some form of it. Uh, my husband, Mike, he was diagnosed with, um, severe PTS, um, anxiety, mm. depression, agoraphobia, um, before he got out of the Navy. And that's when I saw how the horses were helping him. That's how we started mm. it. And so, wow. Do- does the UVA, does the UVA, does the VA cover it? So like if I'm a vet and I'm thinking, how do I pay for this? I imagine you also fundraise, but does the VA cover it? Are they smart enough to cover things like this? Oh, so our program is completely free for veterans and first responders. We charge oh, nothing. Okay. But, 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 but yeah. does the, does the VA help you, does VA, does the VA help you cover the cost or they don't, they don't cover this kind of treatment? No, they don't. Um, what they, I, they may cover other um, forms of equine therapy that use psychotherapy, but for oh. us, I don't see a benefit in having psychotherapy uh, therapists gotcha. with the horse because, um, you know, right. a lot of our, our guys already go to therapists, and when they come here, mm-hmm. they just want to be with the horse. They don't want someone analyzing mm. them with their horse, so we take a little different approach in that respect. So when people go to look at saddlesinservice.org, they might be looking and saying, hey, I got a friend or a family member who could use this service, their PTSD. They also may just think, what a great idea, what a good thing. Are you a 501c3 where people can make a charitable donation and get a deduction? And and you know that often helps people to know that. Again, saddlesinservice.org. But is that how you're set up? Yes. Yes, we are a 501c3. Um, the nice thing about our um, program is that we don't, we have less than 2% of all of our expenses are um, at administrative expenses. We have no mm, salaries. 
I'm not paid. Wow. No one else is paid. We're all volunteers. And so wow. over 98% of all money that's donated to us goes directly into our program, into our heroes, into our horses. Um, and we're really, I, we're growing like crazy. So we can use all the support we can get. Do you? Uh, that's wonderful that you say that, by the way, and very smart of you to know to say that. So people, people know it's not a, it's not. Sometimes these five one c threes will be like two two people, and they're each making eighty grand a year, and they're doing very little. Exactly. So that's very smart and and really uh, wise. Are, are, is the program you're doing? Because yours is a little different. Like my daughter who goes to the one that's equine therapy, where the kids ride the horse. They don't they don't care for the horse because the kids are pretty severely disabled. This is a little different. When you say it's spreading, are people setting up their own version of this? Do you have people saying, "Hey, I want to sort of do a franchise of what you're." doing i've got the ability do you find that or what do you mean by it's expanding just people want to do it yeah so (laughs) we have found that a lot of people would like to start a saddles and service but in order to really keep what we're doing and really keep our program um consistent you know we do have one we just opened in texas but they are one of our people who have gone through our program they know everything about our program and then our wyoming our Wyoming um, division, that's a little different. That's where our veterans who've gone through our program, they've kind of graduated. And we send oh. them, we pay for everything. We pay for them to go up to Wyoming for a week. Wow. And mm-hmm. they do riding. They ride horses. They're moving um, cattle uh, up in the Bighorn Mountains. And they ha- it's hmm. a challenge. It's a great challenge yeah. that they've gotten to this place now and you know they can grab their horse they can groom them saddle them get on them and they're ready to go so it's really a full horsemanship program yeah Good. I've got a. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I, I, I want to make sure to say saddlesinservice.org. People should find out about it. Uh, Mike and Tammy. Tammy's on the phone. Thank you, Tammy, for your time. We'll we'll have you on again. And if there's an opportunity for us to promote things, let us know. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All all right, everybody. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Ted Martin here on a Pro America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. They say that marriage is a wonderful institution as long as you don't mind spending your whole life being institutionalized. However, for all the joking around that people do about marriage, there's nothing in this world that should be taken more seriously. God designed marriage as a way to form solid families. And it's no empty platitude to say that the family truly is the foundation of our society. Unfortunately, too many Americans have lost sight of what marriage is truly about. If you look at the message being pushed by the entertainment media, you'd think that marriage is all about sexual desire. Characters on television don't care about starting a family together and making a lifetime commitment when they get married. They only care about their desire for the other person. In truth, the government could not care less about things like this. The reason our government is in the business of recognizing marriage is because individual marriages really do have a tangible impact on our society as a whole. A lot of the ills we see in America today can be traced to the fall of the traditional family. When no-fault divorce came on the scene in the early 1970s, it was the first step on this dangerous downward slope. 
Proponents of it claim that no-fault divorce would allow people to end their marriage without the government getting involved unnecessarily. The truth was much more bleak. As Phyllis Schlafly wrote, Under no-fault divorce, equality is the rule. Either spouse can terminate a marriage without the other spouse's consent and without any fault committed by the cast-off spouse. What Phyllis was saying is that it opened the door for men to divorce their wives, leave their children, and have no responsibility for these actions. The American people have a vested interest in promoting traditional family. As the most powerful economic engine in our society and the primary way in which values are instilled in the next generation, how we treat families has consequences for us all. Don't be intimidated by the liberals who say marriage doesn't matter. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's finish up uh, with a little bit of a, a tribute and a message to a friend of mine. I know I talked last week about my buddy Woody Woodrum. Woody Woodrum is, of course, one of the great um, great uh, organizers and political guys in Southern California. But I wanted to spend a moment and just uh, say a few words about a man you may have heard. I think he's been on the show before, but his name is Gary Glenn. And Gary Glenn was uh, a state rep. Uh, he ran for state senate. He was actually speaker. I think he was uh, speaker pro tem. Anyway, he was pretty senior in the Michigan House of Representatives. He um, was a uh, military guy, served in the Army National Guard, I think, um, and just a great guy. One of the smartest guys I know to understand what's happening in politics. I'll call him and be like, hey, Gary, what's going on? And for a couple of years, he was uh, part of our team at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. He was one of our trusted guys. It was great to be with him. His wife is amazing, too. She's now a state uh, rep also um, in uh, Michigan. Anyway, he's super, and he's been battling cancer for a couple of years. Uh, And I just, I I, I think uh, yesterday... Um, he posted a long post, an update on his health. I haven't talked to him in a little while. He has been having cancer uh, radiation and hoping things would go into remission again. It had gone in remission. It didn't look like it worked. Uh, but when you read this um, post he had, he talks about how important it is um, to have perspective. And uh, I'm going to put it up on social media and I just want to say it's a, such a privilege to learn from people um, like Gary Glenn about faith. And everybody says uh, if you faced a challenge, you'd want to live up to it in the right way. And uh, um, But he is going through it. And um, he, he talks about putting things in God's hands. And he talks about his family. Um, I, I know he had the uh, privilege. I think it was his, his daughter. Uh, went, he walked her down the aisle. She got married. And um, it's just uh, it's extraordinary. He's an extraordinary guy. And what I would say um, about him was he's, he is so smart and so savvy in politics. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that he's savvy in life and uh, in the perspective. But when I read this, I think, man, what wisdom um, and, uh, and what grace and what teaching and um, 
the end, he says, know that your only duty is to be faithful to that call, the call from God. He's actually quoting Paul um, and trusting that the outcome in his is in his far bigger and more capable hands, not yours. And so long as he gives us breath, God bless and strengthen us for the big fight. Um, just an extraordinary guy. And I just wanted to take a minute. If you didn't get a chance to know Gary Glenn, go to go on social media. You can follow him on Facebook is where I saw that post. But what a great guy. What a great guy. What a what a true uh, American uh, patriot he is, and um, he references there that God's uh, done miracles uh, with him and his health. I believe in miracles, and I'll be praying for uh, the Almighty uh, to do, if it's his will, to do another miracle with Gary Glenn, uh, because Gary Glenn's life is just uh, awesome for us uh, to be a part of. So God bless Gary Glenn, my friend, and uh, Lord, you know, lift up this great uh, man and uh, get, have another miracle. Why not? Uh, We look forward to it. So that's all I've got, everybody. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director and producer, Noah Dingley, as well as to Joanna Spilger for helping us book these guests. We will be back tomorrow, as always. It's Ed Martin right here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.